Hello and welcome to Fly With Your Shadow, the podcast all about music, mental health and illness, and the mess that the COVID pandemic has made of it all. I'm Jeff Robson and this show comes to you from my home in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Glad to be back with you after a bit of a summer break with new episodes as often as I'm able to get them to you. I thank you for your patience and support thus far on the show. I'm planning on bringing you a lot more great interviews in the weeks and months to come. Part of the reason for the gap between episodes is that I've had trouble getting guests firmly lined up for the show, but was eager to get something new out. I turned to Facebook uh, asking if any of my musician friends would be willing to volunteer to come on the show, and it came as no surprise that I got a quick affirmative response from a singer-songwriter I've known and loved since I first heard his music even before his first CD release show in 2003. Hi, my name is J.P. Ho, and I was a singer-songwriter who toured um, up until a couple of years ago, <laughs> and uh, now I am, I'm trying to figure out what I am right now. I'm, I'm still writing songs, I'm coaching hockey and baseball, and uh, just trying to be patient and try and figure out how do we, how do we move forward. I love you today, like I love you back then. I take care of you, honey. It only took one quick listen at his producer's house way back when to convince me that J.P. Ho had something special. He's got a big, powerful, one-of-a-kind voice and knows how to craft a memorable melody. I knew he was someone who was headed for great things, and I couldn't wait to share his music with people. And I've been doing it steadily for about 18 years now. In that time, he's put out that early EP, four full-length albums, kick-started the creation of one of my favorite live music venues, and created a perennially successful and popular Christmas time concert called the Ho 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 Holiday Show, which came along with a related collection of original and classic Christmas songs. He's one of the most popular live acts in Winnipeg, always performing to sold-out crowds, and is a regular at local festivals and major events. He was also part of a local supergroup called Middle of Nowhere, which was made up of JP along with Rusty Mattias, who's now known as Rusty Robot, Alexa Dirks, who's uh, doing big things as Begonia these days, Grant Davidson, also known as Slow Leaves, and Carrie Latimer, leader of great bands Leaf Rapids and Nathan. He's extensively toured Canada, the USA, and Europe. Needless to say, the guy's been busy. JP has been one of the most played artists on my radio shows, and he's stopped by the studio to chat and sing, I figure at least a dozen times, but somehow it's always fresh and fun and interesting. I hope this time is no exception. I really hope you enjoy this conversation with J.P. Hope. Take all that you have And throw it over your shoulder You got miles to stretch No use now looking over all right, so before we get into some of that uncertainty that you uh, alluded to in your intro, um, what were things looking f- like before pandemic time? Because you had already, I mean, you had already kind of, 
you, you know, you have, you have a lovely family, you have a wonderful wife who seems to still like you and stuff, which is, I, th- I think is a win and, <laughs> and, uh, you have beautiful children. And so you had this life here and I feel like already kind of before the pandemic, maybe touring and stuff wasn't as big of a deal to you as it had been earlier. Am I right about that? Well, I guess what happened was, uh, so the last record I put out was in like 20, like under my name was like 2015, 2016. And so toured that for a couple of years and then went to make this other project called Middle of Nowhere with a bunch of friends. And for me, the goal with that project was, okay, let's go and let's use this project as a kind of a buffer. Let's go and, you know, t- like we had all the access to all the touring grants. Let's go, let's go tour. Let's go. Everyone can, you know, stock up their war chests and then, uh, and then come back, make the new record. There was, the demos were there, but, um, but as it turned out, once we sort of made that record, uh, there just wasn't an appetite, uh, or at least there wasn't enough of an appetite from uh, from members of the band to do that. So then it sort of put me in kind of this weird position of, oh, I'd sort of banked on this was going to be the situation, and so so then for, on a like from a professional point of view I I wasn't really like sure how to proceed I needed to f- like find money um I I had released the record my record on like a label and didn't love the experience I liked it uh but I didn't I didn't love the experience and I asked to be released from it um which uh which puts new s- stresses on a situation and then yeah, in 2018, um, we had uh, we were finally able to have a second child, and um, and people did not tell the truth about having two kids. They used to say, "Oh, don't worry, it's just it's only it's only it's just a little more work," and that's a lie. That is a <laughs> that's a huge lie. Our oldest is has always been like amazing, and he has you know he. He just goes with the flow. And then this little redheaded Asian girl that we had, she uh, she just was the, she was like the mother of dragons part two. And she came at us with everything. And so it was, it was really tricky for me to start to figure out, okay, how do I, how do I balance, um, you know, trying to pursue uh, my career and, and, and things that still matter to me. But, um, the workload in the house now was, it felt like, you know, three to four times. And then when my wife went back to work after her year of mat leave, then, then it was also like, okay, uh, I can't, I can't put all like the work, the kids are going to two different locations. And now there's, three sets of lunches to make and three sets of lunches to clean every day. And just, it just, it was, I was finding it really hard to be, uh, selfish isn't the right word, but it was really hard to, uh, prioritize, um, 
what I wanted to do. Um, and, and, and then oddly, like throughout, you know, all these years, uh, the, in December, as, as you know, like we do this thing called the holiday show and it's this piece of real estate that, you know, keeps me firmly in, tra- it is, it is, it's my once a year, uh, hit of methamphetamine where I go, oh yeah, uh, this is really fun. I love making stuff. I love playing music. Um, and, and it always feels like this shot in the arm of support from people to say, Hey, don't stop. You know, like we, like we still believe in you. We're still into you. And, and so I was never, things never just sort of fell off. And it was, it was really just a matter of how do I, I didn't know how to balance, uh, family life and work life. And I don't feel like I've got a lot of, uh, contemporaries who uh, are navigating that same um, world with with kids and and with uh, a, a career that's touring and I'm not saying that this was some you know massive career but it was you know it was for sure enough that or it was it was a good it's been a great enough career that you know at the end of the year uh, like the business is in the black and so so that was 2019 and then boom, 2020 hits and, uh, I was getting much closer to going back into the studio on my own and then everything kind of, you know, went to poo and, and it's just been a, it's been a real unique 20 months or whatever it's been obviously for everyone. Um, but I, I don't feel like I, I've had lots of highs and many, many, many lows. And I know I'm coming out of this thing with, with a few more scars than, than I went in to it with. And, but I'm, I'm, I'm currently in a, a moment of, of hope right now. I'm, I'm feeling kind of good this one month, September feels good. <laughs> and then October, I'm sure it'll, it'll all go away. Okay. So mm-hmm. you packed a lot into there. There's, there's a few things yeah, I gotta sorry. go, I gotta go back to. Okay. So first yeah. of all, I, I did, uh, I'm glad you brought up middle of nowhere and I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you told me that there, that there was further plans for this. Cause it's such a mystery to me. So the middle of nowhere, it's what it's like you <laughs> and Carrie Latimer and slow, yeah. uh, uh, Carrie Latimer from leaf rapids and slow leaves and begonia and a rusty robot. And who am I missing? Am I missing somebody? That's it. Okay. No, that's it. That's five and of us. Yeah. Middle of nowhere. You guys go rent a cabin or a couple cabins, I guess at Falcon Lake and decide to write and record an album. Yeah. All from scratch basically. Right. Yep. And then as far as Winnipeg talent goes, like I used to call you guys the Winnipeg Wilburys because it was like, it was like all these amazing, amazing songwriters and people and talented musicians all in one. And you went off and you made this great record. And then you did one show. Well, two shows, but nobody got to go to the second one, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> were you the only one that thought this thing had legs or what happened there? Is it, is it, be- uh, well, I think Rusty and I, for sure, we wanted to pursue this thing further and, 
yeah like i it, it was funny i mean i'm i'm with you i i loved i loved the record i think i loved it because it was it felt very eclectic and and uh it was unique and and the I don't know, maybe the fact that, you know, we started that week or eight days with zero songs and we rec- we wrote and recorded all the songs in eight days. It, you know, just felt like something that I wanted to celebrate more. And then from a, I don't know, like from a marketing point of view. It seemed like a no brainer, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but we like, and... You know, I don't, I, I'm not going to throw like anybody under the bus, but, uh, we, you know, we tried to present a case, uh, for like, for me, it was like trying to present a business case and say, listen, if we do this, it's, it's a home run, you know, like every city we go to, everybody has a fan base, not to mention, not to mention like the, the grants that we were already approved for so like we couldn't have lost money etc etc and just you know this would be fun it's not like it's not like we have to do this for a whole year canada you know you can do canada in two and a half three weeks and then and then five people can make a bunch of money and then go back to their own projects but uh we and raise the profile of those projects uh, for some yep. of you, you know, because, you know, Begonia's fans suddenly see you for the first time oh, and your sure. fans see Carrie Latimer for the first time and whatever. Yeah, you know? no, that uh, that hurt. <laughs> like losing that project, it, it stung for a while. And, uh, and it's funny because it was like the first foray into being a band. I remember I st- like was... I was a band at the very, very beginning for a year. And then, and then like in like baby band status, there was just too much politics. And I said, I want to go solo. This is, this isn't good. And then got to enjoy sort of like being my own boss and like making all the decisions, etc. And then this was presented and I thought, oh, you know what? I'm a grown up, you know, I've got a mortgage, uh, I can I can handle this. This is going to be no problem. We're all going to be on the same page. <laughs> and little did I know that that was not at all the case. And and it you know good intentions don't amount to a lot when you're working with five people with five you know very different views of the project. I guess and uh, and so it's. It's too bad. I, 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 it's funny. After, after this next record, I'm hope you know, I'd love to try and make something else with people who, maybe I maybe I need to get like a a written agreement that they would, they would like to do stuff with the record. <laughs> but we're st- luckily everybody is you know still like friends and and it's just it'll just be like a weird little disappointment. But I get to you know take a song or two from it and add it to my set and and i'm just so stupidly proud of of that accomplishment so i just always wondered like aren't there boxes of these records sitting somewhere like did you must have manufactured a bunch of them thinking that you were going on tour yeah yeah (laughs) like they're not exactly no going anywhere right we have yeah there's there's there are cds 
somewhere, probably at Rusty's house. Um, and there might be like a handful of vinyl left. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we, we manufactured sort of your, your minimum amount and, uh, and now they are just, now they are, they sit somewhere, they sit somewhere and, oh, well, I don't know, I guess maybe, I don't, I don't even know what to do with them. I mean, we got to do, maybe we give them away. Maybe we, maybe we use them for, uh, fire starters or I, I don't know. No, they're real. They're, they're so yeah. good. Like it's a great, it's a great record. So well, yeah, I, I kind of always wondered about that one, but I, I, you know. I, w- I wasn't sure. That's as sort of honest as uh, as I, th- I think. I think that's pretty darn accurate, and it it people just at once the project was done. Turns out, not everybody was sort of on the same page, but that was not. We were. I don't know if everybody was aware of that at the beginning. So. So, that's that. So you had a bunch of grant money that kind of paid for this yeah. thing, right? So, like, don't you think it would have been different if you guys had been spending your own money to make this record? Like, you might have been more... Oh. People might have been more uh, inclined to want to sell copies. Uh, yeah, uh, like a hundred... Is that kind of a danger of, like, grants and stuff? Does does that take some of the some of the pressure or some of the ownership, do you think, off some projects for some people? I think when you go through, like, the grant process um there's sort of like two sort of frames in mind one is one is no you don't you don't think about that you just think okay i'm an artist and uh let's go make some art let's throw spaghetti at the wall and let's see if something sticks and and that's it and you totally can compartmentalize it and you don't think of think about it at all but then uh like for myself uh I, I feel whenever like I received a grant, I think, oh my gosh, like, whoa, this is, this is really exciting. And this is, I'm super grateful for this. Uh, and, and I don't want this project to fail because I don't want to be embarrassed, <laughs> even though I, I don't, I don't know if there's any one person who's like looking at all the hard numbers. And even if they were, you know, it's, you know, thinking about, all my like any of my sales up to like middle of nowhere like I know that I'm not at the bottom I know that I'm not at the top and I know that I'm not at the bottom so I'm I'm not like I shouldn't be embarrassed but but I really want to make good and I've sat on a bunch of grant um review boards and sort of you know been one of those people who uh like get approve or deny grants and that they always say you know think of it as if it were your own money do you think if if you were to put your money into this project, do you think you would see it back? And and I would say that like with the middle of nowhere, we we entered that with all the right intentions, and and no one had sort of had provided any cause for concern or reservation when we went ahead and 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 applied for the grant. So so like. Nobody has like a nobody's conscience is you know uh, weighed down because of this because we all we all went into it. Uh, it just I, the the timing of the record coming out I guess just it's just ultimately it collided with 
other schedules that were beyond our control and uh but yeah it's it's honestly it just it's it sucks and i i hate i don't want to ever give anybody who hates you know supporting the arts any like fodder or reason for going look like that's this is why we can't support things like that but but then in in this exact same breath i think of like how many you know corporate bailouts there have been that are in like the the bajillions of dollars not like ten thousand dollars and and i think okay you know what we're okay we're it 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 happened but we have not ruined the country i'm not trying to disparage grants or anything because uh especially in canada it's (laughs) as you know it's kind of hard to make money when when there's like you said not that many places to go and they're really far apart and there's not a lot of people in a lot of those places (laughs) and stuff so uh having some way of you know ensuring that you won't lose your shirt doing it um is a good thing uh, the other, the other thing you touched on was, uh, was being on a record label, which I, I got to assume, you know, as, as a young guy putting out your first few records independently, um, you kind of think, oh, you know, it might be nice to have a record label. And then yes, when you did have a record label and it was a great record label, mm-hmm. it was a, you know, a record label mm-hmm. with high esteem and great clout yeah. and everything. It it didn't do what you thought it was going to do for you or, or no i mean no i mean there was i mean there were aspects the lead up to like the record coming out felt great it was nice to have a phone number like of somebody who i'd never met who was really interested in in making sure that all the details were right and uh taking sort of that off my plate was amazing but then yeah once the record came out uh and I don't, you know, I, I honestly can't speak to like how common or uncommon this this is, but like we, you know, we made a pitch for one song and we went around the country to a bunch of the commercial radio stations and I played for, I don't know how many, like just countless, countless stations um, to try and uh, be this recipient of like, uh, they would put up a song across the country on all their stations. And it went really, really well. And then I think the week after we had done that, uh, Alessia Cara uh, came out. <laughs> and and they all went, oh, sorry. Uh, w- we'll think about JP for like the next month, but this month we're going to go with her. And then it was dead. (laughs) And then it was dead. And she, she got that spot. Um, and then we, there was, I guess, either no more money in the budget to like, to approach these people or to like keep, you know, pitching it. And, and then it was done. And then the promotional money was gone. And I was left with this record, uh, that, I really loved and and I and we sort of the CBC had picked like a different single as the single and I told the label and I said hey can we find any way to do this we've got now national like radio play and and they said no we're no we're out <laughs> and we're out of money and I was like oh okay so then I guess this bird is just gonna slowly fall from the sky and die and and 
it wasn't like it wasn't like they were angry with me in any way it's just that was sort of the nature of their model of let's you get one shot and if that one shot hits we are besties if that one shot doesn't hit it was good to know you um we'll talk to you in a couple years when your next record is because we had like a multi-album agreement but it was after that first record that i thought oh you know what uh, I think I made more money selling records independently. Um, I genuinely appreciated the people who were trying to help me. Um, but I also realized that at the end of the day, uh, you know, like luck, I'll never have the kind of money that is needed to like really lobby anybody in particular. So if you sort of remove that from like the equation of what you think success is, or at least what I have deemed as success, then it takes, it takes a lot of pressure off and you just get to kind of make songs that, that you like. Um, and if one hits great. And frankly, uh, if you get to make a song that you're not thinking about radio in any capacity at all, um, it's my it's it's my firm belief that um, those are the artists that are able to um, have longevity. You know, it's not the ones who are mimicking something else or are doing a version of something else. It's the ones that like came out with something that just was authentic to them, and maybe it somehow fit like the commercial formula in whatever weird way it does and then and then those people have like this legitimacy like forever and uh and so that's it was like a it was a really good experience overall getting to say okay I had this career I got to be on a really special label with really great people um but ultimately at least in Canada it it just wasn't like a great fit and I would still like to find one for like Europe for the next record because uh, that's that's a that's the place that's the market that I'm more interested in touring than anywhere else. So so yeah, it was it was good. It was interesting, and I'm just I it's just like another feather in the experience cap that uh, I get to use towards whatever I do next. I just think that's such an important because I think a lot of people who listen to music or whatever don't really understand like business and art. <laughs> They're kind of at odds with each other often, right? Like, because it doesn't make any sense to me that you would spend your time making a great record like you did. And then just because uh, that one song d didn't catch the right ears at that right moment or yeah. whatever, the whole thing is dead because it's a great it's a great record and, and you know, the, the records that really matter to us are the ones that have lots of great songs sure. on them. And there's no, not even necessarily one song that stands out as being the best because, you know, mm -hmm. they all tell part of a story or they all help make this whole thing beautiful. So, um, the art of the thing and the commerce of the thing are so at odds. And, <laughs> and again, you think, well, when we get on this record label, all of a sudden, you know, everybody's going to hear it, but I guess that's obviously 
not the case. And it's just so strange to me and a lot of people, I think. And it's not even based on talent whatsoever. No. It has nothing to do with no. with your talent. It just happens to be whatever they think they can sell the most of at that moment, right? Yeah, it's, I remember when, oh, I don't know, it was maybe 2000 and... Uh, eight, nine, ten, and uh, and a record that I really liked uh was by the Counting Crows, and it was called "This Desert Life." And what I observed on this record was um, there was I think there's like thirteen songs on it, and twelve of those songs, like, were the furthest thing you could find from like the radio, and then and then they just had this one lead off track hanging around that. You knew they had to; they were like obligated to put on, but the rest of the album is what I fell for, and then got, and then found out like, okay, David Lowry produced it, and and went down to go and try and see if I could like capture that, and uh, I think when I was making like Hideaway, the one with with Cadence, um, I don't think I lost track of that, but. Um, there was sort of this excitement because I was signed um, to say, okay, like, this is it. Let's cork the bat and see if uh, see if you can hit something here as opposed to, you know, maybe the way that I was working before, which was, uh, you know, the album tracks are the, the tracks that I'm generally way more interested in. Um, and... But I mean that I mean that model. It's nobody even cares about album tracks anymore. Everyone just likes singles, and so that that may be ultimately like what does me in any way. You've had some killer singles. Uh, nothing's gonna harm you, and some of those songs. people people see that video right. or they hear that song and it grabs their attention like you can do that you've got you've got strong singles uh yeah i mean yeah but i don't even i don't even i remember that record on mannequin i don't think we initially made that song as like the single somebody whoever i was working with it was john paul john paul peters and we were trying to figure out what the single was and i don't think we thought it was going to be nothing's going to harm you which which really like proves like yeah uh make what you're gonna make and and then like we've been having chats doing pre-production here for the new record seeing if anybody felt that there was something and everybody has like a different opinion (laughs) which is perfect because who knows who knows what will strike the right person at the right time dumb luck is just yeah you kind of alluded to that with the CBC picking a different song <laughs> from the record than you had intended, right? right? Like, so everybody's going to kind of have their favorites and are going to want to push that song. So it's good to have, yeah, it's good to have a bunch of good songs, I guess. But yeah, you, you also mentioned the notion of success. So, so you've changed what success means to you. Yeah. Do you think, like, the guy I met in like two thousand two or whenever that was when we first met a long Mm -hmm. lifetime ago (laughs) do you think his idea of what success was is different than the guy i'm talking to today i think that it's funny i think that guy is me now but he took a little detour 
Um, he's yeah, like it's it it genuinely started with oh, this is fun. Uh, I really love Bob Dylan, and I would like to be paid to travel somewhere, and and then I you know started working like the Southern U.S. as a solo artist, and thought oh this is it this is amazing and what I didn't realize at the time which I do now is uh most of this job like the payment you know is the currency of experiences and making you the person that you are I I'm you know not we're not wealthy my wife isn't allowed to quit her job because we may starve if she does um (laughs) um but but yeah, like it's it started from like a real sincere place of I just want to do this. This looks like a really great job. And then and it and it was. And then all of a sudden there was like these like hints of like little whiffs of success of like go do the the Jan tour and going, "Oh, well this is this is great and now I've got like this fancy manager and Jan Arden you're and, talking about, right?" Yeah. Uh and and then and then quickly that sort of petered out and and the new record came out and and it just it wasn't what people wanted or it didn't it didn't hit those that same demographic because I didn't try to like write a record for that demographic I just wanted to put out a record of the songs that I'd been writing and 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 then with Hideaway it was sort of like another little let's just take a little detour here see what happens and then and then came back and middle of nowhere came through and and now i you know obviously it's it's cliche but like the perspective of touring europe six times and touring iceland and australia and and all these experiences and then for me you know it's been important to to see this through the lens of a, like a dad with like kids who need him at home and and that has really just sort of allowed me to I think be like a much better dad than I ever would have been I'm I don't look like with the kids the little things don't bother me and I I feel like I'm I dote way too hard and I'm way too affectionate with them uh and I just i every second that I am in like their presence, I am just, I'm thrilled. And it feels like I'm on the road. Like the, I remember we once were in Paris for a day off and uh, we were there on tour with Federal Lights. And uh, we went to this great restaurant that a friend of mine had recommended. And then we did like, a sort of an inebriated like walking tour at night and we ended up classic at the Eiffel Tower where we bought some uh some warm like champagne from somebody in the park and and I remember facetiming my family going like oh this is amazing and I I genuinely thought that this is it like this is as good as it can possibly get and I think two weeks later I was back home and I was putting uh, my son Parker to bed for the first time since being home and he, he wanted the same book that we had read like I don't know 500 times and I'm reading it to him and then I go oh this is so weird 
this feels as good, if not better, than being in my favorite city. And I was there because I was being paid to play music for people. And I'm surrounded by like a bunch of my best friends. And, uh, and it just, it's been really great. I know, I feel like everybody in whatever career they choose, uh, obviously like, you know, those experiences shape who they are. And for me, this super weird life of traveling the world and trying to make people happy as well as myself and not lose my shirt every single tour has just given me this perspective of, okay, uh, I feel like I have been given so, so much. And when I get home, I like to try and like care bear, you know, shoot that thing out of my stomach to everybody in my life as much as I can and try and, you know, share some of that good stuff with them. Obviously the family thing has become more important, but do you like, do you miss, do you wish that you could somehow tour more? Like, because that's, that's something that's been inside of you for a long time, that, that desire to get out and play music for people Mm -hmm. and, you know, artists, uh, and it's, it's not a judgment in any way, but there's a certain amount of insecurity where you like to have that validation from people clapping and cheering your name. And I can imagine you'd, uh, you'd really want to get used to that and stuff. And now that you don't play very many shows in a year, mm-hmm. like, I don't know how many shows you do in a year, right? doesn't seem like a lot, yeah. you know, and ignoring pandemic, but, um, do you, do you miss that? Like, is there a certain amount of uh yeah grief like not being able to play enough i mean absolutely yeah absolutely there is although it like it's it's tempered by real world like um it's tempered by real world responsibilities as well so i i absolutely um during the years of middle of nowhere i was still doing usually two three week house concert tours a year across Canada. And, and those were, those are always great. They're always, you know, really exhausting, but they're always really, really good. And, you know, that was sort of like, that was scratching the itch for sure. Um, But yeah, I, like I, it's less about the validation and sort of people, you know, showering me with praise. And it's more about um, whoever I take on the road with me. I want to, I want to add to our photo book. I want to add to our ex, our shared experiences, a- and I want to learn. I mean, it's God. It sounds a little cheesy, but like I, I want to. Every time we go out, I learn something about myself. Um, I solve a problem, and I just think it makes me a, a genuinely like better person, and. Um, yeah, the, you know, the praise is really good, but it's the act that is what's, what's just, it's really fun. Whether it's like sitting at the airport or, uh, you know, finish, like trying to play a show with like a hoarse throat and like saying, we are not quitting. We're just, we are, God damn it. We are, we are doing this and you can cry about it later, but like, just get through it right now. Um, because these people came out and they don't, they don't have to be here. And then the actual performances of playing songs that I just love 
to play still. Like, you know, at the end of the day, I would assume that, you know, most people, you know, enjoy just playing songs and, and that's, that's it. So I, I do miss it. And I'm hoping that like next year, come September, tomorrow, my daughter will be at the same school as my son. And then I think that that might provide me, you know, you know, finally with like a little bit of cover um, and takes a little bit of burden off my wife. If I do, you know, start getting to go again for like three weeks at a time, if she's going to the same place, you know, that's just, that's a whole lot easier. And I want to make sure that my personal endeavors uh, are not at the expense of everybody that is important to me. And I would rather, I'd rather face the uncertainty or like, I'd rather the burden be on me than on them as much as possible. Because up to this point, I was, you know, uh, not given permission, but I was, I was supported to go and, you know, go hard, go as much as you want, you know, obviously be smart business wise, don't, don't lose everything, but we support you 100%. Go do it. This is what makes you you. And so I feel like it's important that I reciprocate that and make sure that I'm not adding any burden to Lindsay. But heck yeah, I miss those those people out there who have like who have brought us in. God, it is I I think of so many of them as family, but more than that i think i think of them as closer than family i probably have better conversations with them and uh i just i i love them it's it's so it's really weird and i love them because of uh because of our relationships we've built off the stage and just you know what incredible people they are um and so i i hate that that limb has been sitting on the floor for a while and uh, it's not coming. It's I can't reattach it anytime soon until the kids get vaccinated until they're at the same school and, and we can come up with a system as an independent musician that, that works for all four of us. Well, maybe that's an interesting time to bring up sort of this record that you had planned on. Obviously, you know, it's still, still in the works, but um, has the, uh, has the record or the plan changed, uh, over the past year and a half just because you couldn't, you couldn't work on it for so long yeah. and you couldn't put it out maybe when you thought? Oh, uh, like a hundred percent. We wanted to start last, uh, last summer, fall. And then there was sort of two issues that were, that pr- became roadblocks. Uh, number one, my, my wife's work, she works at a, a biopharmaceutical company and she was um, working 60 hours a week from March 2020 to March 2021. Um, and her department was, uh, they were working on a COVID therapy drug. And so, you know, the default position that I needed to take was don't think about yourself you are literally the like you're the safety net right now um and uh and so you know 
that was that carried on carried on and even when there was like little moments of like oh maybe i can do something um it just sort of felt like oh wait we we haven't even been like a family because you you work till like nine every night you know whenever there's that window uh we have we have to sort of recharge and regroup this thing and then the lockdown happened uh in october and you know i was we wanted to respect and do whatever we possibly could to be sort of good citizens and so we didn't bend any rules we didn't nobody can you know nobody came over um and so that extended from you know october until february um and and then even by then like some of the players some of my friends were feeling comfortable some were not yet and i was starting to you know there was a noticeable psychological effect but uh, you know that was four months of being by myself uh and just not being able to to proceed in the way that i wanted to i was just making more and more demos i think like i'm up to 40 right now and uh and then uh and then spring happened and uh oh i, I got a concussion for two and a half months that stopped me from being able to rehearse a little bit. And then we went into lockdown spring <laughs> and, and then finally, uh, and virtual teaching, which took years off of every, Parker and Mai's life. And then summer showed up and all these gigs started to come about. And everybody who was a player was like, Oh, it's summer peace out <laughs> and every and the, and nobody had windows and so it was just we just had to I had to keep just kicking the can keep kicking the can and so finally you know September we're here and studio time you know is booked for next week and Parker's in school and Mars in school and nobody has a cold even uh you know where, where's some wood uh knock on wood and and we can kind of finally begin you know, in earnest, getting this thing going. But the, the, I can safely say that one of the scars that I'm taking out of this has been, uh, the anxiety of, I, I can't make this and I can't, it's really hard to communicate, um, to people like, I want to be making this. There's a bunch of people that like crowdfunded to be a part of this. And I couldn't, like this was the first promise in my my career that I I just couldn't deliver and it wasn't there was nobody to blame there was it was just a sort of all these things the main one being uh like supporting Lindsay was like the and the kids was like that's it that's like my number one goal and everything else has to come second and so I've, it's it's I felt just so guilty over the last eighteen months or year twelve months fourteen months of not being able to proceed, and so I'm so eager to get this monkey off my back and and start making and and you know come what may. Luckily, because my plans to tour wouldn't even start until next September. Um, you know there there is that. The buffer's there, and who, I don't even know who's touring in the win like this winter. This it almost seems like madness to me. Um, and I won't tour until Mara has gotten her vaccine anyway, because she's three. So, so it's been it's been really 
tough and disjointed and it's been uh, hard to keep kind of like shooting like, you know, a bolt of energy into the project only to sort of just sit back and let it fizzle out over and over and over and over again. And, uh, but I'm... But it's not your fault. It's not your control, right? Like there's, it's so weird to feel guilty about that when there's nothing you can do about it. The thing is, I, I do see like, you know, I saw like Susie and I saw Grant put out these records and I'm like, oh, I just, I, I don't have that flexibility. And, you know, if I'm a person out there who is a supporter, I can't, I can't guarantee that they're, they're going to go, oh, we, we understand. I can also see them go, well, I don't get it, man. Like, get on it. Like, just, just do it. Just, just, just do the work. And I just have to be like, I, I can't, I don't know. I can't do this by myself. And, uh, so it's, it's just been a real psychological sort of minefield that I've had to try and navigate in my own head. So, but most of this pressure is coming from the fact that it's your friends and family and fans money who have paid for this yeah. thing and you want to give them what they paid oh, for. Is, yes. is that what's driving you yes. crazy about it? One, one hundred, like, yeah. but I mean, every one of us who gave you money and I'm proud to say that I'm yes, one of them, you. um, we all did it because we love you and we appreciate what you do and we know you're going to make something great out of it. So I, 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 I feel like if there's anybody who's sitting around wanting you to get off your ass and get the record out, they must be, first of all, kind of the exception to the rule. Um, and they probably have some other problems in their lives. That <laughs> You're placing a little too much importance on what well, you I, And honestly, I, I appreciate that. And Lindsay has tried to reiterate that to me. Um, but I just, I, I've, I've always like tried to compare myself um, to other independent artists and, and think, okay, how do I, like, what do I need to do to be different to be successful and and you know for me it's like you just need to be you I man know. like there's no other you that's the thing like, i know but following i guess like following through and like you know putting like doing everything i can is sort of you know something that i feel i try to exhibit in 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 the work and and it's just it you can't you can't reach everybody to sort of keep telling them about oh this isn't an excuse this just this is a weird life right now and i'm really i'm really sorry and i don't want to lose you as a fan and i don't want to lo- i don't want to lose you as a supporter and i do appreciate it and you weren't taken for granted and the money's still there and nothing's been touched and uh i you know i just uh i just i really i want to exceed everybody's expectations and I, it's been really hard feeling handcuffed. Well, I don't think anybody, most people would have huge expectations other than that you do what you do. Like, it's true. I don't think anybody's expect, the crowdfunding is so weird. Like for, for me, it's been like, I've been, you know, guys like you and Del Barber and whatever, all guys who have worked really hard and done everything, you know, on your own and raised your own money and, and, you know, 
put out the record that you could afford and stuff like that. That was all great. But the fact that crowdfunding came along and made it easier for you to do that with a lot less stress for me seemed like a great thing. But there's some of you guys who are still like <laughs> feel weird about taking that money or whatever. But it seems to me like the most obvious place to get the money from is people who want to give you money to do what you do. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, it, so yeah. I, I don't think it, I don't think it should come with extra stress and extra pressure because we're all just showing that we believe in you and know that you're going to make a good thing. Well, I whenever it yeah. comes up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the good. It it is on the way. I'm at, right in front of me on this desk is the tracking chart board, which has all the songs and then all the instruments in columns and and then we'll start putting big old fat X's on every on every time we complete a task and then and then we shall we shall see how fast can we get it out and but I'm 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 really excited I'm I, a lot of these songs they are uh it's great uh they have super personal experiences that happened over the last few years that uh that mean a lot and there's song that uh my daughter i she knows that parker has a bunch of songs that i wrote for him on the last record and so she's gonna get a song and she's very excited that there's a song about her and and so i am eager to get this thing going little JP Ho lives in Winnipeg with his wife, Lindsay, son, Parker, and daughter, Mara. You can find him online at jpho.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. He's hard at work on a long-awaited new album, and I know it'll be worth the wait. I've got more from our conversation that I'll share on the September 5th episode of my show, Tell the Band to Go Home, which you can find at tellthebandtogohome.com. I always love to hear from you if you have any questions or thoughts about this show. You can drop me a line anytime at flywithyourshadow at gmail.com and please visit the website at flywithyourshadow.com for more information about the music used in this episode, other episodes, mental health resources, and more. As always, this show is ad-free. It costs you absolutely nothing. If you feel like helping out, please consider telling someone about the show to help spread the word. Getting the show into new ears is one of the most difficult parts, but your personal recommendation to a friend or colleague would really help and would be greatly appreciated. My name's Jeff Robson, and I sincerely hope that you'll join me again on the next episode of Fly With Your Shadow. Fly with your shadow.